Hello, and thanks for tuning in to Iowa City Matters. I'm your host, Jack Brooks. If you're a new listener, this podcast dives into different civic topics that impact our community. It's our hope that you'll be able to learn something new, then take that knowledge and put it to good use. We're calling today's discussion Trash Talk, though it actually entails many different branches of resource management, not just garbage. We all use these services to varying degrees, and we hope this episode will promote waste reduction, clear up any confusion for residents, and shed new light on the importance of these systems. I'd be aimless without the direction of my fellow panel members who will help lead the conversation. Let's meet them. Patricia Fossum has been working in the waste and recycling fields for seven years now. Her career has taken her to North Carolina and Oklahoma before returning to Iowa City, where she serves as the Assistant Superintendent of Refuse. Patricia, you were also a University of Iowa graduate, correct? That is correct. Class of 2013 in environmental science. Thanks for being here. Yep, thank you. Jen Jordan has served as the city's resource management superintendent for the past three years. Prior to that, she served as the recycling coordinator for over a decade. What is it that first got you interested in waste reduction and recycling, Jen? Well, interestingly, it was a class at the University of Iowa. I was really struggling with my chosen track, and I took an elective called Contemporary Environmental Issues and somehow fell in love with garbage and recycling. Okay, great. When Jen was promoted to superintendent, Jane Wilch was brought in to take over the recycling coordinator position. She was previously working in Aspen, Colorado, overseeing outreach and marketing for the Climate Action Department. Jane, can you tell us a little bit about the state board that you also serve on? Sure, Jack. I'd be happy to. So I serve on the board of directors for the Iowa Recycling Association. This is our statewide nonprofit that works to continuously support recycling initiatives for the state of Iowa. And I am the secretary, and also I help to coordinate the communications and programming for the organization. Definitely important work. Thanks, everybody, for being here. We'll dive right in. Garbage might be what comes to mind for many if you mention resource management, but that's only a small fraction of what you oversee. Let's talk about the definition of resource management and what responsibilities fall underneath your departments. The resource management division is actually the landfill, compost, hazardous waste facilities, and all of our curbside programs. So that includes Patricia's programs at the curb, which she can talk about, and all of Jane's recycling programs, the landfill and composting. So it really is a little bit about everything. The main kind of tie that pulls everything together is it's all about dealing with people's stuff when they're done with it. Yeah. Curbside collections is your regular garbage, recycling, yard waste. We do bulky pickup as well. Uh, Couches, you know, move out mattresses, things like that. But as Jen said, it's dealing with people's stuff when they're done with it. To add to what Jen said as well about managing stuff, it's really about what we're doing with the things that we own and use when we're done with them. So it could be the landfill, could be recycling, could be composting, and then all the systems that are involved with that. So our work specifically is meant also to connect the public to these programs, letting them know that these programs exist, and then uh, most importantly, how to use those programs correctly. And across the board, the first recommended step that you promote is reduce, reduce, reduce. Can you give us some examples on how people can cut down on waste? Absolutely. So there are a variety of ways, big and small, that you can cut down on waste, but overall it really involves becoming much more mindful of our daily actions. So something as simple as remembering to bring a reusable water bottle uh, throughout the day instead of purchasing a single-use bottle can make a really big difference over time. 
because you're forming that habit. And that's a habit that we do on a daily basis. So that can make a really big difference over time. I'll share a few more recommendations in a minute here, but for more information beyond this podcast as well, Jack, uh, we do have a great webpage, so icgov.org reduce, where listeners can check out much more information on this as well. To name a few recommendations, though, uh, using reusable and durable goods wherever possible. So again, we mentioned the reusable water bottle, a few other basic examples, cloth napkins, durable dishware. Secondly, take care of what you own. We always recommend thinking about how we can fix or repair what we own before immediately choosing to just go and buy something new. And a good example of this, uh, a simple one that we talk about a lot, especially in our repair and upcycle series, is mending clothing. Uh, Make your clothes last. So if you've got a shirt that has a tear in it or a button loose, mend it instead of going to buy new. Third, of course, be a smart consumer. So buying quality products that will last. So when you do have to go buy products, uh, choose ones that are of good quality. Also choosing products that are made with the environment in mind. So this can mean a lot of different things. If we're talking about food, it could mean organic. Uh, All sorts of different products that have fair trade status, products that are made from recycled content or recyclable. And then finally, the last note I'm going to have is on food. We always try to bring up food whenever we talk about reduction, and that's because it's such a big part of what goes into our landfill, roughly about 25%, actually. So a pretty large portion of the waste tonnage that's entering the Iowa City landfill. Composting is good, but it is still producing a waste stream. So we always recommend preventing food waste from being formed in the first place as the best option. And we have a lot of great food waste reduction tips and resources at our webpage, icgov.org slash food waste. Yeah, a little thought and planning can go a long way when it comes to across the board reducing waste. That's right. Let's talk a little bit about one of the city's most valued services, curbside collection. What portions of our community does this serve? So we serve single family homes and residents of four units or less. So a uh, majority of the large apartment complexes and things we don't service, those are serviced by dumpsters. We don't do anything in the downtown area. So it's mostly single family homes with their carts that they, they put out weekly. And can you give us a snapshot of the operations from behind the scenes? How big is the department and how many trucks do you run each day? Um, let's see here, I have staff of 17. Uh, we run four refuse routes, five recycling routes, and usually on average two yard waste routes uh, five days a week, Monday through Friday. That's an amazing amount of ground to cover with just 17 people. Yes, it really is. Which is why it's really important for people to make sure they have their carts out by 7 a.m. because we have a lot of ground to cover. And if someone's on vacation or if someone is running a different route for training, the staff doesn't necessarily run them the same way from week to week. So it's really important to have carts out by 7 a.m. to make sure they're out when we get there. To help our residents be more efficient, let's do a quick breakdown of the different categories, starting with garbage. What all can be included and what items are not allowed in garbage? Um, So breakdown of garbage, mostly what goes in there are items that cannot be recycled, cannot be reused, or cannot be composted. It's basically what goes in that refuse cart. So things that should not be going in there are things like aluminum cans, plastic bottles, cardboard, which is banned, electronics, appliances, things like that should not be in the refuse cart, but you can use our other programs like our bulky pickup. You can pick up appliances and electronics because we have ways of recycling those and diverting those materials from the landfill as well. Uh, About 70% of a waste stream can be diverted within our recycling or composting program. So usually the refuse cart shouldn't be so full. 
Yeah, that's a good point. And you can go to icgov.org slash garbage to get some more tips on things that you might want to put in there. Patricia, I might just have you share a few more best practices that people can think of when, when using curbside collection for garbage specifically. The big thing is making sure the lid's closed on the cart. A lot of people don't think about when they're trying to stuff as much as they possibly can in the cart is that that cart eventually has to be collected. It's collected by an automated arm, which grabs it and then puts it into the truck. So if things are kind of loose on the top, there's a good chance they'll fall off the cart, then they'll fall on the ground, and then that causes litter, and then things can blow away, and then it doesn't make our city look very good. So the biggest thing is lid closed, that the front of the cart is facing the curb, and that the carts are spaced at least three to four foot apart so that the arm can get in there and easily access the carts to tip them. That's one that I think a lot of people are surprised when they hear because three to four feet seems like a lot, but in order to get the, the arm in there and to maximize efficiency of the trucks, it's really important. Yes, yes it is. What about organics? What items can be included in there? I'll take that one. So this is a program that we've evolved over the past, really in the very short past, but we've picked up organics in the form of yard waste for a long time for the city of Iowa City curbside customers. Just in the last couple of years, we've added food waste to that. That started out with the pilot program back in 2014 with 50 households to see kind of what we can encourage people to, first of all, reduce as far as food waste goes, and then um, can we handle picking up food waste at the curb? So that was really the point of the pilot in 2014. Since then, we've added it to all of our 16,000-plus customers. So anyone who has curbside service from the city of Iowa City can actually put food waste in their yellow-lidded cart or in their own container, which has some limits. Those are on our website at icgov.org slash organics. So what can go in is pretty much anything that you think of as far as um, actual food or food-related that is um, paper-based or not metal or not plastic. So any, you know vegetable or fruit clippings, any leftover actual food, clamshells that are paper-based from from takeout, not the styrofoam ones, just the paper-based ones. We can handle paper cups, that's no problem, paper napkins, so things like that, that you might not think of when you think about food waste, but if it's it's used in the kitchen and it's biodegradable, compostable. A lot of products are listed on on the packaging as biodegradable, compostable. We want to make sure that we're not getting contamination into that program. So if people are using different types of plates or the biodegradable, compostable plastic, cups, they really should be reading the labels. And if they have questions, they can certainly call to make sure those are acceptable in the program. If we are in doubt at the curb, the curbside staff is going to leave those. Because we have such low tolerance for contamination, it's really important for our curbside staff. They've been taught to leave stuff if they're uncertain if we can take it or not. And I'm going to throw a lot of websites at our listeners here, but a great page to go to is icgov.org slash organics. And they have a full list of, of all the items that can be composted there. You mentioned the carts, which are also offered for recycling as well. People maybe have seen those blue and yellow lids around town. How do people sign up and receive one of those? Yeah, so that's actually on the website as well. So in theory, everybody who has curbside service, so again, about 16,000 customers, should already have a trash cart and a recycling cart, both 65 gallons. Those are not optional. The organics carts are. So we have two options for those. There's a 95-gallon cart, which is huge and awesome in the summer if you have a lot of yard waste. And then we also have a smaller 25-gallon cart if people don't have a lot of food waste or yard waste. So they can sign up on the website for that, or they can call our customer service reps at 356-5151 and they can get them hooked up that way too. When it comes to the curbside composting, what are some of the most common questions you get? One of the most popular questions we get on a regular basis is what can I do with my pizza boxes? Uh, I love this question. It reminds me every time that Iowa City loves their pizza. 
Of course, the answer for this is that pizza boxes are very compostable. Uh, if a pizza box has sauce, grease, cheese on it, we don't want that in recycling as that is a food contaminated pizza box. So we only want clean cardboard going into recycling, but those food contaminated pizza boxes are perfectly fine to go into the compost bin. As long as people take out any plastic little dip cups or anything like that, or if they have taco pizza, which is one of my favorites, you can't put the taco sauce packets in there. Those got to go in the garbage. That's right. And then one more question we get on a frequent basis is related to the food categories of dairy and meat. Uh, so in backyard compost piles, we do not recommend adding dairy or meat uh, because backyard piles typically don't get to a high enough temperature to properly break down those materials. But the composting system we have out at the Iowa City landfill is uh, commercially sized. It's hot composting. So dairy products, meat, meat bones, seafood, etc., those items that you would typically term hard to compost in a backyard pile break down no problem at our compost facility. You just kind of mentioned it. Where do the organic products go and how do you guys process that? Yeah, so the organics end up at the Iowa City Landfills Compost Facility. This is on the west side of Iowa City. And at this site, we process the organic material, so food and yard waste mixed together through a large piece of equipment called a grinder. And this grinder actually chops the material into evenly sized pieces, which is very important uh, to have that even breakdown of material over time. And we shape this material into long rows that we then turn once a month to let oxygen into those piles. Uh, during that time, we've got bugs and worms and microbes that are just naturally in the piles. They're breaking that material down through the natural process of decomposition. And during this process as well, they're producing water vapor, heat, and carbon dioxide, which is why it's so important that we're turning those piles once a month to keep that temperature regulated. And from start to finish, Jack, the process is about a year. And during that time, we have to make sure that the piles sustain a temperature of at least 132 degrees for a two-week period. That's really important to kill off any harmful bacteria to make sure it's a safe product to use. And then that product is available to the public? Exactly. Yep. We sell that product back to the community. So if there are residents or commercial entities that want it, we have it available for sale at the Iowa City Landfill. I can attest it's great for gardening. With recycling, rather than starting with what's accepted, let's discuss two items that aren't included in curbside recycling. Why are glass and plastic bags not included? That's a great question, Jack. So glass is not accepted in curbside recycling for a few reasons. It is a unique material compared to our other accepted recycling items because it breaks. When it breaks into small pieces, it tends to mix with the other recycling and dirties the mix overall. In return, the mixing with other materials actually makes the glass uh, of lesser quality. So keeping it separate ensures that we do have that clean, high-quality product that then is very recyclable. And anyone that's looking to recycle glass in Iowa City can take it to any of our three recycling drop-off locations in Iowa City, and we do have separate bins for glass recycling. And as for plastic bags, plastic bags can be recycled at certain participating stores in town, but we cannot accept them in curbside recycling because they cause operational and safety hazards at the sorting facility getting caught in the equipment. You've seen some impressive participation boosts in recycling. Can you talk about those numbers and reasons for the increase? Yeah, I'll take that. It was um, in 2018, uh, we collectively decided that for our recycling program, it would benefit the residents of the city if we had a higher capacity for them to use. So um, we used a, a grant with the recycling partnership to um, get 16,000 uh, 65 gallon recycling carts out to the community. They were really well received. Um, we've seen a little over 30% increase in the amount of material that we're collecting. And we've actually seen a really big increase in the amount of households participating. Weekly, So it's been a really exciting 
time in Iowa City for recycling is, uh, you know, the recycling partnership really gave us a, a good opportunity to give our residents a new program. Great. And you guys also made a move to single stream. I imagine that's had some impact as well. Yeah, that, that was pretty much the same transition to the cart. Before, it was easier for residents in the 18-gallon containers. They could kind of do some sorting, and then we sorted more at the curb. The staff did into the split trucks, if the listeners can remember those back in kind of the olden days. Transitioning to different trucks with, again, with the arm, that improves the efficiency, but it removes the opportunity for sorting. So that's part of the reason for the increase. It's easier for the public to use. The issue is, and this goes back to the question about glass, it's really important not to have contamination there because we don't necessarily have hands in those bins picking out that stuff like we would have in the past. So it's it's got to be clean. It's got to stay clean. That leads to my next question perfectly. Now more than ever, there is a need for accuracy in recycling. Can you explain the complications in the overall market and why that's so crucial? Yeah, so markets have become a lot more strict on contamination in the last few years. When I say contamination, what we mean is any materials in that recycling bin that are not accepted materials. So the most common ones we see locally are typically glass, plastic bags, and styrofoam. And the reason why we're concerned about this is too many of the wrong materials within that mix can end up compromising an entire load of recycling. And if it's if it's contaminated enough, in certain cases, a whole load has to be landfilled, which is obviously not the mission of recycling. So we want to make sure that we have a clean stream of recycling. We've also worked very hard as there's been a lot of market fluctuations to uh, sustain our recycling programs and to advocate for continuing to have as many recycling opportunities as possible. But again, it gets back to making sure we have the cleanest stream as possible, reducing that contamination. As long as we keep our contamination low, those materials are able to get recycled. And if you want to double check to make sure your items are acceptable, you can always go to icgov.org slash recycling. And there's a list of all the different types of materials that are accepted. So once they're picked up from the curb, can you talk about where our recycling products go? Yeah, our curbside recycling materials are then transported to the Waste Commission of Scott County sorting facility in Davenport, Iowa. And at this facility, uh, our materials are sorted and then they're sent to recycling companies to process the material into new products. And for items like glass and electronics or appliances, there are options for recycling at different drop-off locations across the city. Let's talk about where those sites are and what each one accepts. Let's begin with the Iowa City Landfill and Recycling Center. Where is that located? The landfill is out west of town, um, so if people can picture West High, it's further out than that. It's about another couple miles past that. It's at 3900 Hebel Avenue. So it's out in the country. You can follow the garbage trucks and all the traffic, especially in the summer, on their way out there to get rid of stuff. We have lots of recycling options out there. So our logo at one point in the past was one-stop disposal drop or something catchy like that. But that's a little misleading because we do take a lot of materials, but we don't want people to necessarily bring them out all mixed in. So it's important to look at the website and see kind of what can't go into the landfill before folks head out and kind of keep that separated. So, for instance, appliances can't go into the landfill. Cardboard can't go into the landfill. So keeping that stuff separate. But, again, we do have opportunities for those materials out there. They just cannot go into the landfill itself. So... We also have an opportunity for hazardous materials out there, and we can talk more about that. But the website for that is icgov.org slash HHM. We do have new hours for that facility, which we're really excited about, and we'll be doing a lot of outreach here in the next couple of months on that. 
And then also we are rolling out a new expanded battery recycling program through our hazardous waste facility. Let's talk about both of those. Um, With HHM, with Household Hazardous Materials, can you talk about the new hours and how it's no longer scheduled by appointment? Sure. So one of the issues that we've heard a lot from the public in the past is that it's a major barrier for them to have to make an appointment to bring out the hazardous materials. And we've we've been hearing that, we've been listening to that. The, The hard part for us has been trying to figure out how to make it work from an operations perspective. So we've done some shifting of schedules. We've switched things over from a staff perspective to be able to take hazardous materials three days a week, Thursday, Friday, Saturday from 7 to 2. So residents of Johnson County and the cities of Kelowna and Riverside can bring materials out, household cleaners, paints, non-controlled substances, pharmaceuticals, sharps from, you know, from diabetic uh, family members or even from pets in the case of my family at one point. Um, So those materials can come out to us again 7 to 2, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. If these materials are coming from a business, however, there needs to be an appointment set up and there's paperwork required ahead of time, of course. Let's talk a little bit about the expansion to the battery recycling program. Sure, I'll take this one. So we just recently, along with expanding those facility hours, we have also expanded our battery options for recycling. So previously, we were able to take all batteries except for alkaline. And as we all know, alkaline are the ones that we encounter most. And the reason for this is technically alkaline batteries are termed not hazardous. But one of the major issues at landfills across the country are that there are landfill fires occurring and they are starting because of battery sparking that are thrown in the trash, equipment rolls over them, and they spark and start a fire, uh, which is a major issue with lithium batteries. And so one of our approaches with this is, of course, let's try to keep as much uh, material out of the landfill as possible if there is an alternative program for it, such as a battery recycling program for alkaline. So that is one of our motivations here. But another motivation is if this simplifies the outreach and education to keep even more lithium batteries out of the landfill, it's absolutely worth that. Uh, so diverting all batteries now into the hazardous material collection facility. And as we roll out this new program, we'll have a lot more materials coming out through the city's different sites. Another drop-off site I want to talk about is the Eastside Recycling Center. Where is that located? Yeah, so the Eastside Recycling Center is on the east side of town. The physical address is 2401 Scott Boulevard Southeast. I feel like that location often gets grouped with some site partners there. Who do you share that space with? Yeah, we've got a couple great site partners at Eastside. So number one, we've got Habitat for Humanity Restore. And this is a secondhand store where you can buy used or uh, gently used or some new even building materials, also furniture, appliances, and lots of other treasures. And then we also have the Friends of Historic Preservation Salvage Barn. And this is also a secondhand store that sells building materials. What's really cool is that they are historically significant building materials. So they are for homes typically 1950 or older. And both of these partners are wonderful to have on site. They share a very similar mission to us in terms of constantly trying to strive in reducing waste through reuse. Yeah, lots of neat treasures in those two places. What's accepted at the Eastside Recycling Center? Yeah, so we do have an electronics and small appliances program. Uh, It is operated through Restore Donations. So if you're looking to recycle an electronic such as a television or a small appliance such as a toaster or a vacuum cleaner, go to Restore Donations around the back of the building. And uh, we do have fees for each of the particular categories of items. So we always recommend checking the website if you're wondering how much certain fees are to recycle certain items. And that particular website is icgov.org slash e-waste. 
Those also are run through Restore. So again, by Restore's hours, which are Tuesday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Along with that, we also have light bulb recycling through Restore. We have an oil recycling shed on site. So at that building, you can recycle motor oil, oil filters, and then also vegetable oil. Uh, we also have wine cork recycling, and that bin is actually in the oil recycling shed as well. And then, of course, our standard recycling containers for cardboard, plastic, paper, metal, and glass. And these containers are 24 hours a day. I'll add, too, that we have regular events out there for hazardous materials. We do try to have those quarterly. It's somewhat weather-dependent and somewhat staff-dependent. We also have biannual events with the city of Coralville has a bunch of these, too, in North Liberty. There's a bunch of events that are scheduled through the National Drug Enforcement Agency where we can collect pharmaceuticals, and in our case, we also take sharps at those. Those are usually in April and October. So we have lots of neat opportunities for folks to get stuff out of their homes out there. And you guys also host educational opportunities out at the Eastside Recycling Center. Can you talk a little bit about those? We do, yeah. So at Eastside and also at the Iowa City Landfill, we offer group tours for schools, organizations, and all sorts of different groups uh, locally in Johnson County to educate on what services are available at each site, but also overall on waste reduction. We also host several events on site at the Environmental Education Center on the property at Eastside Recycling Center, such as right now we are actually hosting our repair and upcycle series through the end of March. Jen, do you want to talk a little bit about some of the rental opportunities in the Education Center? Sure. So the education space out there, is a, it's a really cool building. It was built in 2012. It's LEED Platinum certified, and people probably think of it, if they know what I'm talking about, as the funky-looking building on the southeast corner. So not only do we host city events in that, but we actually rent that facility out also. There are nonprofit and business rates as well as alcohol rates if people are planning to serve alcohol. So it's really busy this time of year. Um, it's Right now, I think we're booked up probably three or four months out on the weekend but we have graduation parties, we've had weddings there. It is a small venue. It comfortably hosts about 50 people, but it's a really neat space and people can check out some photos both on our Facebook page and I think there's a link to that through the ICGov slash ESRC page. It's got a lot of natural beauty around there with some prairie flowers and some other natural growth around there. Yeah, so not only the education center itself, but there's some really cool external stuff. There's a small residential size wind turbine, there's solar panels, there's some pervious paving, and our, our side staff out there does an amazing job with the landscaping. It really is beautiful. I will also add to that with the stormwater management. As Jen said, it, it really is a showcase and the outdoor space is meant to be educational as well. So we have several biocells around the property which are uh, essentially sophisticated rain gardens. Uh, and these are meant to really clean the water that comes out of the sky as rainwater and then flows across either rooftops or the parking lot, picks up some of those impurities and chemicals, things that we would not want rushing directly into our waterways. So what the biocells and our green wall and our green roof and the pavements out there do is they help to have the stormwater infiltrate, so soak into the ground. And then the soil, the plant roots, et cetera, help to clean that water before it eventually enters our waterways. So a great system. Very neat. The third drop-off site is the North Dodge Recycling Center. One might deduce that it's on North Dodge Street. Where specifically is that located off Dodge? It is the old North Dodge High V, if that helps folks picture it. It's it's just up towards the highway from the existing High V. But we do take the regular drop-off site materials, cardboard, plastic. We do have a glass bin there, paper, and metal. And that's a pretty heavily used site. 
Thanks, Jen. One event that people really look forward to is Rummage in the Ramp. Can one of you talk about what it is, why it's important, especially as it fits into the city's climate action plan? Of course, Jack. We empathize with the community. It also really excites us. We've already started to plan Rummage 2020. So a little overview. So Rummage on the Ramp is an annual resale event. It is held strategically at the end of July and the start of August when the bulk of rental leases turn over. So during this time, we see a spike in waste tonnage at the landfill. What that looks like in the community and what I'm sure a lot of us have noticed during this time is overflowing piles of stuff that form at the curb or at dumpsters. And this is really due to people moving. So this event is meant to address this movement of people and thus stuff and provide a solution for those moving. So those moving out have an outlet to donate their gently used items. Those moving in have the opportunity to furnish an apartment or a home uh, with gently used goods at a really affordable price, which is exciting. And then this is also a really important part of how this fits into uh, the city of Iowa City's climate action work. Uh, because this helps to recognize the environmental impact of the products that we use. The environmental impact, of course, in this case, can very much translate into greenhouse gas emissions as well. So the example I'll share here, especially if we look at the environmental impact of products, the upstream and the downstream of a product, every product that you use. So what I mean by that, the upstream is everything that goes into making a product, the water, the energy, the transportation, machinery, uh, before it even gets to to you, the consumer. So what this means is, is that there's a huge environmental impact embedded in every product we buy. And this impact is, is well beyond Iowa City, because as we know, a lot of products we use and purchase are not being manufactured or made within Iowa City. They get transported here. And then the downstream, of course, is what do I do with it when I'm done with it? And we've talked about that with our overview of resource management. So do I throw it away? Can I compost it? Can I recycle it? And this is much more on the local impact as we manage those programs here locally. So Rummage does a great job of working to reduce this environmental impact by creating a space for usable goods to get a second life. If we're throwing something out that is still usable, that's wasting some of that embedded energy. So Rummage is, is meant to help this process along and keep those usable goods in the loop. And in terms of what Rummage sells, uh, what we get donated, Rummage ends up with a variety of treasures every year. Every year, it looks different. Every day of the event, it looks different. Some general categories, though, books, clothing, kitchenware, houseware, furniture, of course, always some really interesting looking wall hangings. Um, and then I will add last year, I think one of the most notable donations we got was a huge collection of National Geographic magazines ranging from 1930 to 1970. It was awesome, especially being the UNESCO City of Literature. I think people really got into it. They were excited. People were getting their birth year and month, the edition of National Geographic from their birth month. And uh, it was just a lot of fun to have that donated. Yeah, that's such a neat find. It's something that I think anyone who's lived in Iowa City can can imagine pretty easily. Just the, the heap of couches and coffee tables and trash bags around that time of year. And it's a very imaginative use of city resources to give second life to those things, especially in a, in a college-dominated town. You guys are in the planning phase now. What are the dates for 2020? So this year, Rummage will run from July 24th to August 2nd. And there'll be something big on the 2nd. I'll just put that out there yet because it's a little bit truncated because it's ending on the 2nd. So we need people there on that last day. So we're going to do something really fun this year. I like the cliffhanger. Yeah. And this event's been going strong for over a decade. Thanks to our dedicated staff, present company included. 
Can you share some of the overall stats in terms of waste reduction and community support that this has brought on? Yes, and this is one of my favorite things to talk about. So Rummage in the Ramp literally started as a joke. There were some city staff and some interns sitting around about oh, 13 or 14 years ago and grumping about how much crap was on the curb and what we were going to do about it and the impacts on the curbside stuff that that has and how just demoralizing it is to pull up to a pile of someone's house that is thrown out on the curb. So literally started as a joke and we said, we should, we should just go pick it up and have a giant garage sale. And a few years later, um, the right group of people came together to actually make that happen. So that has changed in, or turned into, evolved into over 30,000 shoppers over the past 13 years. We've taken in 350, 360 tons of materials. 320 of those have been resold back out into the community. So every year we have a tally of the materials that come in. We have weights assigned to stuff. We have spreadsheets because we're spreadsheet geeks, face it. We have ways to tally all this stuff. So um, we've also made $212,000, the vast majority of which has gotten recycled back out into the community because that funding actually goes to the community groups who are volunteering to work at the event. So they work their tails off for a four-hour chunk of time. We have over 250 staff hours every year that go into this. Having started as a joke, it really is a community event that it's good for city staff, it's good for the community, it's good for the landfill, it's good for the neighborhoods that aren't having the stuff at the curb, it's good for the city staff who aren't having to pick it up at the curb. So this really is, I think, an example of a city program that is pretty phenomenal, and I hope the community understands that. And if they're not aware of it, that they get involved. Yeah, the thumbprint is pretty astounding when you think about it. And uh, it all comes together thanks to community partners and community support and city staff who has kept us going. Rummage in the Rep is a great idea, and it's so awesome to have a city that has such a, a robust program for college students. I wish more people participated in that program because during that time, we see so much good material on the curb that could go to Rummage in the Rep that could be reused. So I wish that more people participated in that program because there's a lot of good stuff that we eventually have to throw away, which is very unfortunate. It would probably be very beneficial for a lot of college students who set items out on the curb thinking that they might just be picked up with curbside collection. You can't set a couch out on the curb or a large TV or something like that without paying additional fees. Is that correct? That's correct. So we usually do what's called a 24-hour tag. Um, anything that's in the city right-of-way that's not on our scheduled bulky pickup list, we'll remove it. But there's a fee for that, and it's a very expensive fee. So if, if you're looking to get rid of items, it's best to either schedule the items to be picked up or find a secondhand store somewhere else to take those items. Well, and to follow up on that, Jane, do you want to talk about the directory that we have so people don't have to wait for Rummage in the Ramp or just use Rummage in the Ramp? So in addition to Rummage in the Ramp, year-round, we have lots of great consignment and secondhand stores in Iowa City and the surrounding area. So if you're looking to donate something or if you're looking for a gently used item and it's not Rummage in the Ramp time, don't worry, we've got resources for you at our reduction webpage, so icgov.org reduce, you can find our consignment directory. And this is an active map where you can interact, click on different stores and see where they're located. It represents all of the consignment and secondhand stores locally. I know you are all very passionate about what you do. So in closing, I want each of you to share a proud moment or accomplishment that sticks out during your time with the city. Patricia, can you start us off? Yeah, first I'll say I'm very proud to work for such a forward-thinking uh, municipality. I've worked for multiple municipalities across the United States, and this is the first place I've worked that's had curbside food waste collection. There's a lot of municipalities across the United States that are striving to get there, and we're already there. And that's a fantastic program to have. 
our residents are fantastic at participating in these programs. Not only do we have them, but the participation rates is just the yard waste, food waste program has gone through the roof. I mean, we've gone up, I think, 72% um, in the tonnages that we've collected in the last year. The recycling program's gone up 30%. We have usually, on average, between 60 and 70% participation rate in the recycling program, which is far above the average. So it's, it's a really great place to work. And our curbside program is a really robust program that residents love and utilize great. Okay, great. Jen, you want to go next? Yeah, our curbside organics program is something I'm very proud of, and it kind of ties in with about three or four other programs that we've rolled out over the past five or so years, and it's kind of been a whirlwind, so I'm just going to list them, but over the past four or five years, we've accomplished so much in our team in public works, and the community has been both pushing us to, to get to this point and encouraging us, and then now they're using the program, so it's pretty cool, and they're always pushing us to do better, which is part of why we are excited about our jobs. So besides the organics at the curb, we've also banned cardboard at the landfill. We have banned televisions and computer monitors at the landfill, so those can be recycled, but they cannot go into the landfill. We have rolled out the single stream in the carts. We have implemented a policy to require apartment recycling in Iowa City, which is almost half of our population in Iowa City lives in apartments that prior to a few years ago probably did not have recycling. It's not 100%. We're working on it every day, but it's a lot better, way better off than we were a few years ago, and I'm very proud of that. So just kind of looking at our overall offering of programs. And then I guess the, the cherry on top for me for that, and I won't call it a trend yet, But last year, the amount of material going into the landfill was down 10%. And that, if we can continue that trend, is huge. That is not where most landfills and where most recycling programs are across the country, and I'm extremely proud of that. Definitely something to be proud of. Jane? Yeah, so I just recently attended and presented at the National Compost 2020 Conference. And really, there are two reasons why I am going to use this as my proud moment example. For one, I am very proud and appreciative to be part of a local government that sees the importance in sharing our experiences to support the sustainability efforts of others around the country. And I also think this is very important, especially as we think about more and more programs being dedicated to climate mitigation. The session in which I was a speaker focused on municipal government programs, and really this brings me to my second point, It was inspiring to be in a room of so many people that were passionate about food waste reduction and composting, or I guess I should say as passionate as me, which I'm at like a pretty intense level of being passionate, Jack. So that was really exciting. You know, these other municipal government employees that are sincerely working hard to better their programs for overall environmental protection, it was just really a treat to be part of that energy. That's definitely the passion and hard work in all of our staff that has made all of these successes possible. So thanks to all of you for everything you do. This is a topic that impacts everyone in our community, and the work your departments do is crucial to our residents. So thank you for everything, as well as sharing your wealth of knowledge with us today. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Thank you, Jack. Along with our guests, we'd like to thank the Iowa City Public Library. It's where this podcast series is recorded, but more importantly, it serves as a crucial pillar to the Iowa City community. If you've enjoyed listening, and I know you did, please follow Iowa City Matters on iTunes, Spotify, or SoundCloud. We also toss episodes on our website at icgov.org slash iowacitymatters. We'll be back soon with another episode. I hope you'll continue to listen, learn, and engage.